And now, the third, or fourth, or twelfth. It depends on what episode order you're listening later in the future. But if it's live right now, you can be certain of this. This is the number 19 ranked golf-related podcast in Canada. It's Circle 3. What's up? (laughs) Number 19 golf-related podcast in Canada. I mean, there's no disc golf podcast uh, rankings yet on the Canadian podcast charts, but we'll make that happen. We will make that yes. happen. What's your guys' We're favorite 19? One. What's what's your favorite 19 related thing? Kind of everything, but that's that's like a five minute conversation for that specific number. That'll be a separate episode, the after the show segment. Um, and you can use that gonna, as a lullaby. I'm just gonna go Steve Eiserman. It's a no brainer. That's all. <laughs> I mean, See, that's a simpler answer than 19, that. 1 plus 9 is 10. I'm super OCD. 10 is a very round number. 10 can be used for a lot of great things, so I will take the mathematical approach. That's where I go with 19, right. Kearns. Okay. Well, now that I made it super awkward out the gate, it's all <laughs> here. So, how are you boys doing? <laughs> Better I'm now. Doing pretty good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's spring It's All the cherry blossoms are gone, and the and the weather's still cold, but it looks like it's warm. It's, it's the it's the season of regretful shorts. Yeah, we had uh, ice, rain, and snow today in Michigan. It was beautiful. Ice, Sounds rain. Sounds like a bad '70s cover band. Not ice, yeah. rain, and snow. Ice, rain, and snow, like sleet, like slushy rain. Correct. Yeah, it was two items, two forms of precipitation. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of two forms of precipitation, we got some fantastic guests tonight uh, who are just, one's a hurricane <laughs> and the other is just an absolute tsunami. <laughs> we got uh, we got two members of Team Resistance Discs, well, one member of Team Resistance Discs and Team Resistance Discs himself, uh, Mr. Will Sherrill and Mr. Jeff Corns, and uh, we are going to bring them on right now. What is up, gentlemen? How is it going? There is the mustache. Ooh. I just had this Bad feeling I strong. should put Will in the middle of the screen first. That worked out yep. uh, <laughs> so fantastic. In the world of for mustaches, those of you, we're going for a little ride tonight. Yeah, for those of you Absolutely. listening in the audio version of this at home later, just be thankful. Yeah. <laughs> what is up, Will? What is up, Jeff? Jeff? is in an RV right now in Jonesboro, Arkansas and uh, getting ready for the J-Bro Open and uh, how has your time on the road been in the last couple weeks, Jeff? Oh, it has been so good to be back out on the road. Last year, I mean, last year was nice because I got to start Resistance Discs and that probably wouldn't have gotten started last year if it wasn't for COVID canceling the season. But now being back out on the road is all I could ever ask for, and it is really nice to be out traveling everywhere. Oh yeah, but the weather's pretty nice down there. It's been like, it's been kind of weird, honestly, because we had like first couple days here, it was like really warm and humid. Then it like rained a couple times and it's been really cold the past couple days, but then it also gets like weird, sticky, humid also. But I think it should be pretty decent for the rest of the weekend. Sounds like no ice rain, so that's cool. No, 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 none of that. So very thankful for that. So I got to ask genuinely, Kurds, like, do you guys not call that sleet in the States? Is that not a word you use? 
I mean, yeah, it's okay. Some people call it that, but I mean, I'm not a sheep, bro. Okay, <laughs> so ice rain sounds cooler. No, I just know, you know, like does it though? Yeah, you're you're 100 up in Michigan. You're one of the only guys. When I say double double, most people are looking at me like I'm crazy. Kern just gets this fire in his eyes when I say double double. <laughs> right. So Jeff, no, where's up? where's the next stop on the road for you guys after Jonesboro? After this, we are heading to Emporia, Kansas for the Dynamic Discs Open. Hell and then yeah. Back to, and after that, I mean, I honestly just want to get through that because after that is my favorite part of the swing. It is the West Coast swing. Being from California and then living in Oregon, I just can't wait to get back to the West Coast, see family. And then I think it's some of the nicest weather we get really all year. Yeah, it's, That is the right. truth. I told Paul and Kearns this this morning. I'll drop this on the podcast today. It's kind of a funny story. So... I actually am running the virtual Dynamic Discs Open for DD uh, through the Disc Golf Valley video game. We run a stream, and I think last year, like, almost a 1,000 people signed up and played. It was crazy. But anyways, I had a meeting this morning with some of the DD guys, and uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm realizing while I'm on Zoom that I'm wearing a Discraft sweater and a Discraft hat, <laughs> and then I get warm, and I take my sweater off, and I'm wearing a Discraft T-shirt. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah, I could have prepped better for this meeting this morning. <laughs> but uh, that's our underground guys, team. Those guys Subtle from <laughs> those guys from Dynamic Discs are fantastic, and uh, they're super excited to put on the Dynamic Discs Open this year. We were talking about some of the stuff they have planned for the street party and the bonfire, and uh, it's going to be a good time. You guys are going to have a fun time down there. Have you gone before to Dynamic Discs Open? Yeah, I think this will be my third like GBO DDO um, and it's always a fun one like the block party is really special it's like cool to just see everyone and then also just like it's so fun walking around all week and people just like recognizing you it's a super weird thing like the sports definitely blown up to like a different level this year where like I'll be in a Walmart with Adam and someone will just be like dude you're Adam Hammis like what the heck like this is insane I'll be like we're in Walmart like why do you know like why do you know who we are like what's going on <laughs> But like we get that we get that all the time in Emporia, so I'm curious if it's going to be like even more insane this year. That's wicked. Nice. Hey, speaking well, of the virtual GBO, I came in 13th last year. And that was before I, I knew who Will Cheryl was. I was saying this guy's name probably I'm on the old. broadcast, and uh, actually, I think there's a couple people last year who played. I think David Carter was playing along too, and uh, it's it's cool. It's uh, it's a fun time, and. Uh, it's going to be great. So we we really want to get to know you guys in this first segment and talk a little bit about you and how you got into disc golf. Will, we'll start with you. So North sure. Carolina, uh, born and raised there, been there all your life? Yeah, man. I grew up in Statesville, um, which is just like 45 minutes north of Charlotte. But um, I didn't really start playing disc golf, so I went to ECU and uh, started playing in Greenville with uh, Max Crotz and the Greenville Disc Golf Club and uh, got introduced to it there by a couple of college buddies that they would like swim for discs at the local course, and come, <laughs> which I know is like now, like I had no etiquette then, but they like came back with like a hundred discs in like a huge 55 gallon trash can. And we're like, hey, grab a couple, we're going to the course. And uh, so that's how I started playing disc golf. <laughs> and um, then I thought I was really hot shit and um, went to doubles and just got smacked and I was like okay 
I'm not good at this, but I'm going to be. And, uh, and yeah, so that's how I kind of got introduced to disc golf. That's fantastic. And Jeff, what about you, sir? How did disc golf start for you? I mean, I was creeping your profile today and I saw the Oregon gear and the ultimate background. So I'm guessing it started with ultimate for you. So I got introduced to like disc sports when I was a baby. My dad has been playing disc sports for like 40 years. He's PDGA 1510. Wow. So he's super OG. I give him crap still to this day like why didn't you get me a pdga number when i was born because you know we i could have literally probably been in like the eleven thousands. like because i went back to my birthday to like figure out like looking at people's pdga profile and i could literally be in the eleven thousands if my dad got me one when i was born i give him crap I'm like dude come on like it would have been so cool these days <laughs> but now i'm like my numbers in like the 69,000s, and that still seems i i win tiebreakers for like low scores now on like some of these events and i'm just like what's going like why like sixty-nine thousand? that's so high but it's like there's a hundred thousand people after me now it's insane um so i got into ultimate like that's what i thought i really wanted to do when i was in middle school and high school i went to the university of oregon intending to play ultimate wanted to play for their team i got there played for like the part of the fall term and i was just like man like this wasn't as cool as i thought it was going to be and then I got like introduced to some of the people in the disc golf team, at, like our club sports fair. And they were just like, oh, like, you know, you play disc golf, like you should come, like come play with us, come play a tournament. Like, you know, you can throw a disc already. So got into that, went to a tournament. The team was super cool. And I'm like, these guys are so awesome. Like, I just want to hang out with these guys and play more disc golf and took off from there, went to collegiate nationals my freshman year, met Paul McBeth and Nate Sexton at collegiate nationals. And I was like, dude, these tour guys are so cool. Like, this is awesome. Like, I want to do more of this. And then it just kind of, you know, spiraled from there. Dude, what year was that that you were at? Because I played for Eastern Michigan University. And I remember, I think it was our second year, we played against an Oregon team. And I know Paul McBeth and two other pros did like a flyover where they threw discs over all of us for the national anthem. Yeah, I, okay, I was there, let's see, my first year there was, like, it was in 2015, so it was, like, the 2014-15 collegiate season. I think that was my last year, so we were both at, it was at the Killer Bee Disc Golf Shop. Yeah, it was at the, at the Hippodrome. Yeah. Dude, we probably crossed paths. We probably did. That's crazy. <laughs> I had no idea. What could have been? What could have been? It yeah. could have been me on Team Resistance right now. <laughs> did you, you should have applied for Team Resistance. We had applications. I know, I just... I'm, I'm on two teams right now, and I don't know. There's a lot. Of, I'll I'll think about it. Did, are, can I work some 2020 TS Lunas in the deal? Ooh, I mean, <laughs> I'm, for the amount that those are going these days, those mid-season are, addition like, to money. team resistance. <laughs> Just, I'm getting bribed over here. That's a it's an interesting story. I uh, I also crossed paths with Jeff. My very first time at uh, Alton Baker Park, the course pro was walking me around, and he was like that's Jeff Corns. This is what he does. This is who he is. And I was like, I know. And I was like, Hey, Jeff. And you turned around and you were like, Hey, Hey. And then you kept walking. So <laughs> full circle, I, full circle. Oregon, Oregon always trips me out because like I do like go to so many tournaments and stuff. I know so many people. And then I like go on the road and I like meet hundreds of people throughout the year. And then I come home and people like still see me. And then they're like, there's just so many people. And then I'm always like, have we met on the road? Have we met here? Like, and I'm always like, 
crap, I cannot remember that guy's name right now. And it drives me insane sometimes. Like, I really admire Eric Oakley because he remembers everybody's name. Like if you walk up to Eric Oakley, introduce yourself and meet him on the course, like, and you see him the next year, he'll probably remember your name. And okay, let's try that. Yeah, you should try it and see if, see if, you know, maybe potentially prove me wrong, but he is really good at that. And I respect the hell out of that because it's kind of cool. And it definitely, I'm you know, horrible at leaves a lasting for people. You definitely have the whole, like, I know I know you. No, I don't think I do. I'm going to say hi anyway thing down really well. Communicated all that in one look. <laughs> so let's, uh, I, I want to switch gears back over to Will here for a minute. Um, so Will, I know this, maybe a lot of people don't, but you are, you were voted third sexiest firefighter in your state, I think. But yeah. I'm curious, <laughs> I'm go. curious how you balance, well, how did you get into firefighting? And then the follow-up to that for me would be, how do you balance that with disc golf and family? Because I, I believe you stay multiple days at the station. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, I actually took to firefighting way later in life than like the rest of my family because my dad uh, was a firefighter when I was growing up. So he was at Statesville Fire for 19 years and then he went to the private sector for a little bit. Now he's back in firefighting. And my brother is a firefighter at Concord Fire. So like it's been in my family. Um, and I recently, um, I was working for a pressure washing and window cleaning place, which was great because I had all the time in the world to play disc golf. but. Um, I was like, I need like a, a steady career, something I can kind of grow into. And um, I saw that Ashboro Fire was hiring and I was like, well, why not? I'll give it a try. And uh, so I did and um, got hired, I guess, in, it was like right there in the middle of COVID. So it was super weird. Um, I interviewed in March and then they shut, or well, I took like an aptitude test in March and then they shut everything down. Um, for like two months and then in May I had like a physical agility test and then I got hired like the next week after that and we did an academy all summer so um, I really enjoy firefighting I love it and the schedule I work is really cool and actually more conducive to disc golf than you would think because we we work like 24 on 24 off 24 on 24 off 24 on and then we get 96 off so we get four straight oh, wow. days off and so really we work like three shifts with days in between and then we get four straight days off and so really all i have to do to get six days off is take one day at the beginning or end of my cycle and um, i'm able to you can do a lot in six days you can do a lot in four days and so a lot of times i have at least one of the two weekend days off um, uh, well, I always have at least one off. And so um, I'm able to, if there's a tournament on just like a one day C tier on Saturday, I can do that. Um, or, you know, sometimes I'm not working Sunday and I can play tournaments then. But then um, every once in a while, I just have like the whole weekend off. And so I can, uh, I can pretty easily play tournament. Um, as far as family goes, I mean, I'm, I'm home way more. I only work like 10 days a month. And so while I am gone for 24 hours at a time, like, I'm also home for 24 hours at a time. So it's it's pretty easy to balance things. That's awesome. Do you have a practice basket at the station? <laughs> I have thought I have two practice baskets at home. I've got uh, a couple of them and I want to take one to work, but I also kind of want to like not be made fun of. <laughs> and <laughs> so 
if you know anything about fire departments, it, that you should know that they're ruthless when it comes to anything strange about you. And so they know that I play disc golf. Uh, like the other day I was getting off shift and had a tournament um, to go to. And so I, like, I came out of my bedroom, like wearing my tournament stuff. And they were all like giving nice. me side eye, like, <laughs> what are you doing? You look like an idiot. Yeah. Okay, uh, okay. I have to ask. Dealership and it's probably similar. <laughs> yeah. What, what is this tournament outfit you have? Well, it's just like the normal, like, polo with this craft and team resistance on it and i'm like you know it's tucked in i'm looking sharp you know i, I whenever i go to tournaments i like to look good the hair's and slicked so, back off to the right he's looking fresh. oh yeah come on we know we how much cheryl rips let's go we are <laughs> gonna, we are going to talk some tournament fashion here in the in our oh, next segment sure. well, one question but, i uh, have for one question i have for will really quick chris is well when it comes to that you know you said you have a weekend every now and then to get a chance maybe to play a tournament are there any tournaments on the schedule that are like a must play for you and if you want to do you have the ability to you know make sure you get those in there for sure and and the good thing is we're allowed to like trade our shifts oh, among the firefighters and so like if i needed a day off i could or even like just the day like i could trade be off from eight to seven p.m. and have time to like do a tournament if I really wanted to and so and also like we get a lot of comp time and stuff like that so it's pretty easy to take days if nobody else has requested off but as far as like the must play tournaments in North Carolina the Downies Players Cup down in Greenville which I think is going to be a really big event this year because it's like the week before or the week after the um, Pro Tour Championships in Charlotte and it's an A tier and he's looking to get, he's going to have 10,000 added cash to this. Ooh. And that, that is the tournament. Like my first B tier that I ever played was the Downey's Players Cup in Greenville. It's where ECU is. Um, and that club has really stepped up and made that tournament just incredible. And so that's one that I'm going to be at every year that I can, um, which this year I think I'll probably end up having to take some time off to do it. But um, it'll be, it's worth it. That, those courses are awesome. Trading shifts makes me think of when I worked at Blockbuster. Blockbuster makes me think of Oregon, <laughs> where both Paul and Jeff are from, because Bend, Oregon has the last Blockbuster in the world, nice. uh, which I would die to go to, so um, <laughs> which I would die to go I to was... because I worked at Blockbuster for a really long time. I started low. I was an assistant manager there. I got my 10 free rentals a week. Best job ever. And uh, I watched that documentary on Netflix, brought back so much nostalgia. <laughs> We should get them as a sponsor. The last Blockbuster, Blockbuster just, just the last one. <laughs> yeah. I was Viacom. there just a couple weeks ago. Were just you actually? Yeah, yeah. You should come on down and get your COVID vaccine. We got plenty to go oh. around, apparently. And have them send us <laughs> yeah, like we one don't. laser disc a month. <laughs> laser oh, disc man. golf now from Blockbuster. So I think it's probably about time for that uh, giveaway, huh? Or do you have another <laughs> problem? <laughs> I think really quick, I got one question for Jeff before we move into that giveaway. So, Jeff, people know you from videos with Paul McBeth and Brody Smith and all these people. But more recently this year, uh, and probably to your absolute satisfaction, people are getting to know you for your website uh, and your team, Resistance Discs. And uh, I know Resistance is blown up. One thing I love about Resistance, and this isn't me fluffing you, buddy, I promise. Uh, just such a clean website. 
I really appreciate that. Great experience on the site. Uh, last disc I got from Resistance was a really nice pink hearts on uh, like kind of reddish pink Missy Gannon Undertaker from the Tour Series drop. And I ordered that thing at like two in the afternoon and I got my shipping packing notification at like 4.30 from Resistance. So I've had great experiences from the site. It's been awesome. Tell us a little bit about how you got that started, man, and how your baby got growing. Yeah, so how it all kind of got started was like, we, you know, our season got canceled last year at Waco for like off season 2.0. I went home, I like had a bunch of inventory left. Like I had a lot of really like cool stuff and just random stuff. So I like threw a bunch of stuff together in mystery boxes and like sent them all out. And Bob was like, wow, looks like, you know, you're still pushing discs and doing everything, you know, like he's like, you should probably start like a website or something and keep moving plastic. Well, you know, we don't don't know how long COVID's gonna last and stuff. So he's like, put a website <laughs> together, start a brand. And I was like, uh, okay, I guess I can do that. Like, you know, so came up with resistance discs. I don't really remember how I came up with it. I just kind of sounded cool with like the people I was working with at the time. and. We just went with it and you know got everything moving i think you know i started off really well because people know knew who i was and they just started checking out what i was doing and then you know originally planning to tour with adam immediately i was like hey like you know let's do some collabs like let's get some custom runs going let's get your stamps up on our site you know like do you want to be like my first team player on like resistance and he was like absolutely like let's keep pushing this and blow this up so I definitely give a lot of credit to Adam for jumping in early and starting, you know, pushing, helping push the brand a lot. So, and then at the end of the year, things went a lot better than I had imagined through COVID um, and the amount of plastic we were able to move that I was like, you know, I think we need to grow. We need to start picking up some more players, some more people to rep, rep the brand and at like all levels from the elite level to brand ambassadors to people, you know, just all everywhere in between. So. We really pushed the team this year and I think it's really showing and I'm I'm super stoked with how everything's going. That's amazing, awesome. man. Well, we are going to move into our first sponsor break, uh, sponsored by yeah. Sweet Spot Disc Golf. And we will be back in just a few seconds with the Circle Three Podcast. Catch you soon. Gather round, children. I, Genfrof, will tell you a tale of the times before. Of a legendary place, the sweetest spot in all the land, where circles of plastic would appear, glowing from our screens, and with the ritual of the cart, they would appear days later at our doors. The richest colors, the finest discs, and the kindest people. Oh, it truly was a sweet spot for disc golf. Some say this place still exists. It's vault sealed. The treasures glittering inside, awaiting the great prophecy of Tuesday and Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And that comes again. I hope you will be there. Sweet Spot Disc Golf. So good, our advertising department writes fan fiction about us. And we are back, folks, with the Circle 3 podcast live here Wait, with back? Chris Kearns, Paul Blair, Ooh. Jeff Corns, Will Sherrill. And uh, we're going to move into our second segment now. Chris Kearns, I will pass the baton to you, sir. 
Baytime. Banana. Um, yes. So I want to talk some event fashion. So I started playing disc golf like 08 and cutting edge and disc golf gear back then. It was like some Birkenstocks, maybe a fish t-shirt um, and some like thin cords. Corduroys, but, uh, yeah, some ca- oh, khaki cargos. You're getting it. You looked a thousand rated. But um, today it's a little different. And I got to say, Will, if I was going to adopt someone's fashion, it would be yours. The thing is, I, mean, I can't pull it sense. off. But I, I figured we can get into some some uh, dis- some event fashion. So what are some key things you're looking for when you're suiting up for game day? For sure. Well, I'm definitely on the team of look good, play good. And so I'm always going for maximum comfort plus style. So I've got some some pretty wild shirts and I'm thankful because shout out to my wife. She has like one of those cricket machines that can kind of like cut out vinyl, iron on vinyl for all of my stuff. And we've gotten to to make some cool shirts. And what I usually do is honestly, I just go like Marshall's or TJ Maxx or, you know, any of those like stores that have last year's stuff. And I'll just go and buy all their polos and uh, like their sport Under Armour, Adidas, whatever I can find. And um, I'll just put my logos on it. So uh, I've got a pretty sweet one that's like America themed. It was an it's an Adidas polo, but it has like USA printed on the chest oh i've seen that one yeah <laughs> and, I got that and one. i put yeah and i put my logos on it it looks awesome so um, will, i'm all will, about that i will loads his closet up with that? under armor and he says i got my sponsor's logo here i got my sponsor's logo here on the the arm on you under armor <laughs> yeah Dude, good um, a good place to scout for you is check out sierra trading post oh yeah for sure yeah that's um, i use steep and cheap every once in a while you've heard of that okay. that's a good one it's a good one as well they've got some out. pretty good deals um but yeah I, I also get a ton of hand-me-downs too because uh, i'm pretty good friends with dan hastings and so i'll uh ever it seems like every time i go to his house he like hands me a pile of this craft shirts and it's like here you go Who's <laughs> this that shirt guy? this shirt is his <laughs> is he a and disc so, golfer or yeah he's not bad <laughs> he's a little hurt you, right Jeff? now but Jeff, I, if I recall, you you like to wear a lot of black, kind of like the Johnny Cash of the tour. But uh, maybe I'm wrong. What are maybe some so, key apparel items that you like? I do wear like black somewhat frequently. Uh, the other thing I wear, so I have a apparel sponsor that I work with called uh, Oahu Golf Apparel, and they're from Ooh. the island of Oahu. They have some really sick, like floral printed and just like more loud pattern polos. And I've been wearing a lot of those this year because I just dropped like a huge collection of them uh, this season. And they, they're actually like working with like a lot of like really cool athletes, like on both the PGA and the LPGA tour. And then like just other like random pro athletes. Like he was, te- the guy who owns it was telling me that they were sending some polos to Tom Brady, like before the Super Bowl and stuff like that. Like just all sorts of like wild stuff. And I'm like, whoa, like this is kind of cool. And he's like, like getting really interested in looking into the disc golf market. He heard about like Paul's $10 million deal. And he was like, wait, like disc golf's like really big. And I'm like, dude, it's, you'd be surprised. So he's definitely like looking to, you know, potentially jump into the disc golf market at some point. Now's the time to dive in stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, you know what I think is really underrated and here's like 
two things if if i'm going to advise anyone or share a secret weapon which it shouldn't be a secret but the dry fit or performance boxer brief it, oh, it changed that's my all life. i wear yep yeah it changed my life and now there's like even more advanced ones that like really secure things if you know what i mean like you put your <laughs> stuff in a compartment and it's you don't have to worry about an x step and like then your the wallet and the glove box or what are you talking about exactly Absolutely. yeah so i got, I got the, uh, those i got those currents they're called my package i uh, i order them online they're pretty fantastic they call it the keyhole pocket currents. okay is they're that what those. that hoodie is is that my package <laughs> this is exactly what this hoodie is make moves <laughs> Actually, it would make it'd be make less moves, right? Because it's, it's <laughs> and we're back with Circle Three. <laughs> oh, that's C1X, bro. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, comfort's nice. important. So I this is off disc golf topic, but I mean bowling. You know, is kind of like mm -hmm. one of those alternate sports that you know trying to gain some respect. Aside from Kevin I, Hart um... almost bowling a perfect game the other day. Did you guys hear about this guy named the Ginger Assassin? You were talking about your USA shirt, Will. This is the only reason I'm thinking about this guy. I've never seen a more America shirt than the shirt this guy was wearing. He is the fourth person ever in the history of bowling to hit a 7-10 split on live televised TV. No one's hit one in 30 years. And the other day, he hit a 7-10 split on TV. And the announcer went nuts voice cracking like it was it was the greatest thing if you guys haven't seen it look up ginger assassin on google and the first thing you'll see is just these videos will you look like you saw that video buddy <laughs> i did see it it was incredible <laughs> i have not seen this i'll have to look ginger assassin okay see now we're talking about a careful. sport that i've got some, some what history i click on with. i actually uh, lettered in bowling in high school no way we gotta hear about yep. this a little bit paul well, that's Chevron's almost the entire story, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I lettered in bowling, and I had friends there, and I was pretty bad but good enough, and it was an academic letter because it, they couldn't get it sponsored as a sport, and they stopped it after two years. So, <laughs> the end. Well, that was an absolute fantastic story. Poetic. Poetic. This is why I do the announcements and not the content. Well, Paul, while we have you on the screen, we can we can ask you about our next topic first because I mean, you play disc golf, you love disc golf, so lots of people have different favorite types of courses. So when you are out playing, Paul, uh, what is your favorite kind of course to play? Dry. Being from Oregon, mm. that means a lot. Uh, you know, we could talk footwear here for ages, but a dry course is a joy. It really, I mean, you can shoot 105 on a dry course, and it's more fun. It's more fun than under par on a wet one. Yeah. Um, you know, in Oregon, yeah, Jeff, you know, we carry towels yep. <laughs> all year long. Uh, I played in Bend a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, over the east side of the, the Cascade Range, it's all desert, and Bend, it was there was sand and dust and not a puddle on the course, and I, mean, I was wiping my discs off because they were dusty. It was mind-blowing. So as, as I realize it may not be the answer you're after because you want some technical tree carving. I prefer this kind of disc kind of thing. But no, I just like being outside when it's not mud. That's a, gr that's a great answer. I absolutely love that. What about you, Jeff? That basically like sums up how I spend my off seasons too in Oregon. Is <laughs> If it's raining, I'm probably not playing that day. If it's nice out, I'm going to definitely play because playing rainy rounds sucks. 
it rarely happens on tour i feel like because just the way the schedule shapes up so i just i'm just don't care i'm like no i'm not gonna play in the rain like it doesn't matter i don't care i'm just gonna wait till tour or whatever i'll wait till the next sunny day but you'll notice the oregon events are scheduled in like dead smack summertime yeah all the top best ones are definitely like in the summer it's some i've played so many golf course temp courses in the winter this year and wow tee pads can be rough so will yeah, if, if the, yeah oh, if well, they even have them yeah if, if they're not i yeah. saw a video of yeah, someone right. from our group throw in the other day on a tee pad that was literally underwater and she laced it still but i was like i have never thrown in those conditions because i've just never had the drive or desire to play in those conditions well the thing that's the thing about the spring and the fall here is you know the water doesn't go away it'll be sunny for a, a day or two and that water's still there that's what i'm saying like it's you don't play in the rain that's just a given but like then a nice day it could still be muddy it could you could still be underwater so, so you guys have a drainage problem <laughs> no the ocean's right there it's just gets backed up how cool is my water bottle right now i know it's a ghost water bottle i was gonna comment on that that's pretty freaking crazy well with yeah, your awesome. uh with your style of play buddy would you rather play an open chorus would you rather play a chorus where you're playing in the woods where do you feel you get an advantage uh advantage for me is definitely in open courses but i don't really love like golf style disc golf um i would rather it be kind of a hybrid wooded and open golf i like i want to be able to hit lines but have the fairways be fair i hate like i hate when i go to a course and it feels like the fair what like the course designer just made it hard for no reason like you know it, instead of forcing you to throw a shot shape they force you to lay up to a certain area then pitch up like i just i don't like that kind of golf but i love attackable like it, just difficult courses that require distance and like technical skill like you're not going to be able to just throw a hyzer but you you have to throw something you know that's going to flip up and turn and then and fade back um, but anything, any like holes that are 350 to 450, I'm going to excel in. That's, that's kind of my money zone right there. It's funny you talk about the golf course golf because it's really different here in Canada, the landscape right now, because per square mile, the amount of golf courses is just like so much less. Like in a 50 mile radius here, we have five or six maybe five or six disc golf courses where there's some places and this is a high density place where there's low density places in the states where in a 50 mile radius you've got 30 disc golf courses right so for us uh golf course golf has actually become something i've fallen in love with this year because the parks aren't filled with people and with covid and everyone spending their time outdoors the public park courses and the public kind of access courses have just become so congested with non-disc golfers and it's been cool to introduce new people to the sport but it's gotten to a place where it's just so busy that they started to open up disc golf on some ball golf courses and for us it's just like sweet salvation where we can actually <laughs> play golf and as the winter right. months started to get nicer through like the end of february and march we've almost had two full months now of 
snow off the ground, which is month and a half of snow off the ground where I live, which is really nice. And uh, we've been playing and it's really cool because what you said is kind of what they've done at this golf course near me, which is closed now, which sucks because the ball golf court, the ball golf season's starting, but they really utilized the golf course, but then the golf course had adjacent woods. So they actually took the time to cut, cut out little entryways into the trees and carve like little landing zones for the greens. So you might have a 600 foot wide open shot that's not too technical, but then the last 200 feet of it for the par five are a complete 90 degree right hand turn into the forest. So it was really cool to see what people that finally got a chance to be creative who have been wanting to do this in Canada for so long did with it right and it, it was really neat so i've fallen in love with that i'll pay to play if i can actually play and not have to avoid every hole because i oh, can't throw this one because there's people on it oh can't throw this one because there's people on it if i can pay 15 bucks and play a course all day i will do that any day i don't know how you guys feel about that but maybe i'll ask you guys will you're here right now how do you feel about pay to play for sure i think i think that's the way the sport is going um with the rapid you know, acceptance of disc golf, uh, especially because of COVID. I think it's gonna, we're gonna start seeing more courses become that because of just the demand for it. You know, there's some courses here like uh, Johnson Street Park in High Point, it's a super basic course, white tees. It's just like, I mean, you should, like I should go out there and shoot like 14, 15 down from the whites. But you go out there, it's packed. You go after work, it's packed. It's, you can, you can hardly, you know you're you're playing behind somebody the whole time so i would not be surprised if more courses some golf courses probably um end up opening pay-to-play courses and i'm all for it you know as long as the course stays clean stays cut you know that money's going somewhere i'm i'm in 100 percent. i saw you nodding along there too jeff i think uh that's that's something that you you like the experience of too yeah i'm definitely fine with pay to play course there's a couple in my area there's a couple like free to play a couple pay to play if you have like a good like i'm not gonna go pay to play at a course where it's not maintained well like it's that's why i'm paying i'm paying for to you know have like a golf Absolutely. more like a ball golf experience um so you know if it was a really nice like well-maintained course like take maple hill for example i'm pretty sure on the weekends i don't know if it's like year round or if it's like in the summer months or something but i think on the weekends at maple hill it's 20 dollars to play like i think all day or if it's a round or whatever it is i'd absolutely play that they keep that place looking oh, you know yeah. manicured and spectacular all the time so you know but if i live there locally you know i'd obviously buy like a membership if that's available but I think pay to play is a direction the sport's definitely going, especially at the courses that are going to be considered like more championship level or like high quality tournament courses. Uh, definitely going to probably get more towards the pay to play level. It's funny because we did some research here when we were looking at, you know, the feasibility of opening some of these courses on golf courses and having them operate in tandem with the golf course during the actual golf season. And we've got a couple of them. And the courses that are working well, it's funny because the research we've got from them, the number one thing that stands out, and if any of you guys are trying to work with your township or your city and get a course and a ball golf course, some research we did that I'm sure is succinct with you is disc golfers spend a lot more money at the facilities. If there's a pro shop at the facility, uh, if there's a restaurant, if there's food and beverage service, if there's alcohol, like beer carts, if they sell drinks at the yeah. pro shop, because disc golfers aren't spending 
60, 70, 80 bucks just for their round, plus 20 bucks for their cart, plus 15 bucks for a sleeve of three golf balls that they're going to lose all of because let's face it, we all suck at golf. Um, it's, it's great. And the disc golfers have reinvested in the courses I know that are staying open year round are thriving because of disc golf. And it's been amazing to have some of those successful courses for us as a testament to new courses. We want to kind of take the leap and, and try this. So if you guys are trying to do that, just really let them know that disc golfers will give back and invest in the facility. If you give them somewhere to play, the disc golfers will have your back. Feel the dreams. If you build it, they will come and they will come with their money. They will buy snacks. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely speak to that. I've worked with a lot of courses that have, or like tournaments on like temporary golf courses where their like response from the staff is like, holy crap, you guys drink. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> disc golfers like, it's they're always blown away by it. Like how much disc golfers drink compared to golfers drink. And I'm like, yeah, we put a golf, put, a, put some baskets out here and there will be people drinking every weekend, like watching sports when they're not on the course. Like, give disc golfers a chance they will spend money that golf courses don't realize you got to stay hydrated i mean we our sports way more active <laughs> yeah we got to walk pretty much everyone yeah i will say there's a golf course uh, about an hour from me pine hills they put a disc golf course on their back nine and the following year it did so well they put another course on their front nine and they actually did a really good job kind of weaving in and out of the golf course and all the golf greens are OB islands. And it's awesome. You pay, I think it's 18 bucks. You can play all day. You get a cart and it's, we love it. We, I go there a couple times a year and we'll just, we'll road rally. We'll do match play. We'll just spend a whole day out there. When the golfers come through, you just give them right away and they're in and out in no time. But uh, it's a lot of fun. I love pay to play. Most of our courses are, you know, our Metro parks, our Metro park system is great. Pretty much every Metro park has one or two courses. I mean, Kensington Metro park, you know, it's, they've got two and now, you know, they're, I don't know if it's, I think they're putting tee pads in on the toboggan. So Kensington's awesome. Um, maybe they're not, <laughs> but uh, then we've got our County parks too, that are pay to play now, but they're all, all the parks are actually putting money into the courses and making them better and getting you baskets. Um, so I love it. Keeps some of the flies off. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Sure. Well, we are going to move into our next sponsor break, uh, sponsored by the amazing Wolf Pack Discs, Mr. Brian Frawley of Wolf Pack Discs, uh, hooking us up. My Thank man. you so much, Brian. And uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial and uh, we'll be right back with our giveaway and with the Circle 3 podcast. Stay tuned. Ah, you know that sound. That's the sound of grabbing up. At the end of a long week, there's nothing better than cracking open a cold uh, wolf? and feeling that buzz. Uh, that's discraft. D discraft buzz. Start to take hold. At the end of a long work day, at the end of a long week, reach for us. Wolf pack. 
stacked desks. We'll be there for you. And we are back, ladies and gentlemen, with the Circle 3 podcast. Coming to you live now is Mr. Paul Blair with our first ever Circle 3 news break. Right. <clears throat> Hi from the newsroom. Uh, in the most important news that matters to me, the 2021 Beaver Steep Fling has been canceled due to both fire damage and then ice damage. It is the apocalypse out there. We wish them the best. Eagle D. Claude, Paul and Ricky back at number one. That's not the biggest news in this week's ratings. Congratulations to Mr. Andrew Simmons, PDGA number 166681, number of the beast mode. Mr. Simmons is now seventh ranked worldwide with $55 in career earnings in his one tournament, taking second place at a flex start seat tier. See, the rating system works. In other news, Will Sherrill got an ace, I'm told. So that's good. Uh, the province of Ontario has been placed into a COVID-related lockdown. You should stay inside. Apparently though, exercise is exempt. Got a friend that doesn't play disc golf? They do now. We were going to have more news, but <clears throat> we don't. So that's it. Bye. Thank well you, done, Paul, sir. for our first ever <laughs> Circle 3 news break. And yes, the province of Ontario is in lockdown, but they've deemed disc golf and they actually listed Frisbee golf as an essential form of exercise during the COVID <laughs> lockdown. So huge well, shout out to a guy here. To learn how to play it. Huge shout out to a guy here named Jeff McKeegan, who's literally like lobbied the city to keep disc golf courses open and just put presentations together and gone. And the the city went and they convinced the province that this was an acceptable form of physical activity. So bravo to Jeff McKeegan. No one knows who he is, but I'll give him a shout out anyways. And uh, yeah, it's been pretty, it's been pretty great to be able to play disc golf because I swear to God with this, uh, we're literally in a stay at home order. We do not have any retail stores open. Everything is curbside pickup. You need to place orders for everything in advance. Uh, public transit, you're only supposed to go on if it's like an absolute necessity. Probably 80% of workplaces are operating from like a work, work at home capacity. So it's pretty rough here. If I couldn't play disc golf, I'd be going crazy. <laughs> yeah, you guys need some like Americanized immune systems. That's what I'm we gathering just, out of this. We just need to figure out how to actually efficiently get these vaccines out here. It's been so it's been so great the last days to hear like Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Kimmel be like, yeah, vaccines up in Canada. They don't have them. Ha. And I'm like, yeah, we don't. It's so sad. So we it'll got appointments come. available. Springfield Rite Aid. Paul, I'll 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 be down to you in a second, buddy. But enough about I'm gonna, me. I'm gonna... Enough about vaccines, more about Jeff Corns and Will Sherrill. And this is our hot round segment. We're going to give you some questions from uh, our fans in the chat. We're going to play whose onyx is it anyways. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're going to talk about disc golf rules. Uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about Indian leg wrestling. So those are our topics yes. for this next segment. Uh, Let's start it off with the Indian leg wrestling. So Jeff and Will, who would win in an Indian leg wrestling contest? Hold on, hold on. Do any of them have Indian legs? 
you don't need them actually. Oh, okay, that's yeah, more inclusive than I expected. Yeah, yeah. Got some solid Any thighs. Any legs will do. Let's see it. Will Will is showing his solid thighs on the podcast for any audio listeners. You said again, be thankful. But I don't know if we're ready for that. I, I I'm gonna put my money on uh, Will Cheryl only because it says rips in his name. <laughs> oh gosh, yeah, but, uh, folks! Oh baby! I don't know, dude. You know Jeff's always driving that RV. Like he's always engaging lower body, even when he's not on the course. So yeah, like he's got always major on the endurance. Yeah, he's always he's got major. In, if it's the gas leg that he's wrestling with, I got Jeff. All right, Kearns. 100%. So Kearns and I, Kearns, I'm not kidding. This is a hundred percent for real. Will and Jeff Corns, the next time you guys are together in public, Adam Hammies has to film that leg wrestle, and Chris Kearns, I'll bet you a disc straight up over the winner of that leg wrestling match. Done. See you at USDGC, Jeff. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, I love this. And we I'm will there. play that video on the Circle 3 podcast, folks. In the news segment. In the news segment. Um, yes. On to more serious topics. This is a fun one Kearns thought about. And uh, I love this question. Kearns, I was thinking about this all day. If a disc was made for you, specifically for you in your game, how would it fly? What would it be called? Uh, Jeff Corns, let's start with you. Um, it's called the Onyx. Discraft makes them. Discraft. Uh, yeah, this guy Paul McBeth designed a really good disc, and I'm on I'm on Will's side. Like this is the best Paul McBeth disc that he designed. One hundred percent. So good. Okay, so what like, would you what would you I mean, name I'm, it then? If that's the the perfect disc for you, because the, the I don't Onyx see is already you, perfect. I, I don't see you on the Onyx. disc Onyx, bro. I just don't see it. Oh, well, maybe I would name it Hades. I actually came. I I named the Hades. Little known Whoa, fact. Dropping oh, some knowledge. Yeah. So okay. So Paul. So Paul had a name that he was like going with. So you guys are familiar with like the naming scheme. Like the number of letters was the number of titles he had at the time, basically. So he had like yeah. a name lined up and was like, you know, like on this. And I was just like, but dude, like you're going to, it's going to come out like after your fifth title, you're going to have to switch the name. You should go Hades. Like, cause he was like, I was like, God of the underworld, understable. Like, I think it just works. Do it. And he was like, I actually like that. I like it kind of better than what he what he had in mind. So. So he was thinking, he Hades. Called, he made the call at the end like, of the day, bro, but Hades. I was like, dude, you should do Hades. Nice. So, and I, I love that if, story. you know, if there's ever, if there's ever more, I, I did, I think I deserve credit for the other names too, because I came up with some cool names for potential okay. six time discs, maybe one day. We'll see. Well, Paul's actually on next episode, so we're gonna ask him point blank. <laughs> Do it. <laughs> like, would you worry, like, be so, like, who, who gave you the idea for the Hades? It'll be like Jeff for yeah, sure. No, I'll just say, when did Jeff tell you to call it a Hades? <laughs> <laughs> So, Will, what would you rename uh, Onyx to? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I have no idea. Now, all my friends uh, make fun of it at the course. Called when it came out, they called it the Anus. So, 
Did you see that Zeus Onyx matchup in the group someone posted? Yeah. Yeah. I was about to ask about that if anyone saw that. I think that's awesome. I thought it was hilarious. That was incredible. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Most so of people I were say, just making fun of the spelling, though. What do you guys like use your Onyx They hate us because they ain't us. <laughs> what do you guys use your Onyx for, Will and Jeff? I'd be curious to see if you're using it for the same kind of shot type. Or what's, what's the shot that you're really leaning on that Onyx for? Start with Will. For sure. Um, it, so I had one in my bag from the very first drop and it was super stable at the get go, but then it like beat in to just be like the perfect, like when I don't feel comfortable throwing a driver, I feel comfortable throwing that. And for me, it's just like, I can throw it full power. I know it's not going to flip. It can hold in headwind. It can go a long way in tailwind. And so for me, if it's like 350 to 400, and I need to lace a line. I'm I'm throwing the onyx. And for you, Jeff, that is super similar for me. I'd say so. For the people who don't know, I used to work for Discmania, um, and I threw the PD a lot. It was probably like my, you know, it's a similar driver in that like stability speed range. Um, so I remember Paul got his like prototype, like prototype onyxes at Masters Cup in 2019 or 2019? Yeah, 2019. And he was like, dude, check it out. I got a Discraft like PD and it's swirlier and it looks cooler than yours. And I was like, okay, well, let me throw it and see how it actually flies. And I threw it and I was like, this is maybe the best disc ever. This thing glides, the glide's insane. I use it for, I mean, almost any kind of, again, similar range that Will said, anywhere from 350 to 400. I have three in my bag right now from straight to stable to straight to hyzer flip turnover. It's just like the go-to fairway driver uh, for me. I also well, love I know the you... Onyx. Oh, Curran, sorry, buddy. You you have it. I was going to say, uh, Jeff, I'm pretty sure you've got a box of them right there next to you. Let's see a couple dime pieces. I've got a few with me I brought over here. This is a new like prototype one I recently picked up, like neon green rim gray and purple and pink in the flight plate and then the bottom uh that is filthy super good the ones that i like i look for the most that i really like are the ones that have just a little bit of dome to them not like they're by no means pop top but just a little bit of dome and pretty stiff uh i got this test flight recently it's a little pink halo rim with the yellow core and then a couple more prototypes. It's just a nice blue halo, white, kind of like foil. curly looking one. I don't know what foil it is. I wish that would have been cool if that was money foil. It almost looks like it. And then for being from Oregon, I do really like puck dyes. So I have three puck dyed onyxes as well. Kind of similar to like Will's colors that he has a nice like red and white halo looking one. So I've got that one. It's purple and red and pink and orange and all sorts of colors. And then this blue halo, pink center, just marbled, a little stiff, little little pop. I I love the Onyx, but for me, with the Onyx, I'm looking for the flattest Onyx I could find in the history of the world because I'm not throwing it backhand because I don't have that confidence to rip it backhand. Um, I'm throwing it forehand, and for me... It's the three to 350 range. And if I'm looking for something that I want to just 
We've got enough open space for it to turn a tiny little bit to the left on our right hand forehand, and then just get that really, really, really consistent fade. Uh, I lean on my Onyx, and when I don't need as much fade as my Raptor, that's absolutely the disc I'm going to. And if I flick it on just a little bit of hyzer, it'll stand up and just get that amazing glide. And that's why I love it because the Onyx gets just that touch more glide that I'm not getting from my Raptor because of the extra stability on the, the finish of it. So it's pushing me an extra 50, 60 feet that, that I get from my Raptor. So I love it for that shot. And the, the flatter, the better for me for those. If we're going to show off Onyxes, I got to show off a couple. Yeah, as I say, Will, I know you got some gems there. So shout out to Walter Murray. He uh, he sent me this bad boy. I think this is one of the best in existence. Um, it's got matte pink. This thing is just nuts. It's got like a red, candy red rim, and then just like the white pink interior. And then well, this one when you actually die, came. You need to donate that one to science. Uh, and uh, this one actually came from Brandon. It's got the flower foil, um, mm. kind of a golf ball white, uh, super Zeblin, um, and it's also got a little hint of orange in there that you can't really catch on camera. Well, maybe you can a little bit, but you can, yeah, see, can it see it just barely. And then finally, one of my personal favorites, um, the oh, it's got oh. like kind of the side splatter um, with the hollow foil. This is it's, it's a sick Z blend as well. Um, this Something is looks on like the top top shelf for me. Some kind of biological diagram. I don't have the collection oh, yeah. you guys do, but my <laughs> my gem would definitely be my ghost stamp test flight 104 uh, that thing's nuts man and it's like this crazy clear swirly webby ham special brian arnold would eat your heart out buddy that's a goodie Woo. all right folks we got a question for you guys now let's start with paul blair on this one because i'd be really interested to uh hear your disc golf rule paul so if you could make your own disc golf rule, what would that disc golf rule be? <laughs> it's my chance to set the tyrannical standard, huh? Uh, you're not going to like this one. I, so I come from a, a ball golf background. And, and I know this is not going to win me any fans, but you're all wrong about this. So this is how it is. Uh, I would have to say no music on the course, no speakers. If, if I can hear it, you're out. Like it, is, it is a serene place of contemplation and the exercise of a combination of science and heart. It is not the place to play fish. I wouldn't disagree. I, I, I'm a guy that used to play music on the course, but I had a couple friends who actually told me it bugged them and were upfront enough to let me know that. And I just started wearing my power beats on the course. They're secure enough they stay on my ears when I throw a drive and they feel comfortable so if I want to listen to music I, I keep it inside and uh, I wouldn't disagree Paul what about you Will what would your uh, disc golf rule be so this will definitely be controversial and it may be surprising for people that know my game but I think the circle needs to be a little bigger I think uh, 45 feet would be the sweet spot for uh, for a new circle um, I think, I just think for me, I'm a very proficient step butter. Um, anybody that plays with me knows that. And 
I feel like it's almost cheating from like 35 feet for me to be able to step up because it's like, I'm barely gonna miss those. Um, I think 45 feet pushes it back enough that like you can argue that it's necessary to fall forward on a putt um, or, or have the excuse to, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think the circles would just be a little bit bigger. Do you feel like that presents a gender inequity question? Do you feel like there should be different circle sizes for men and women? Does it matter to you? I don't think so. Um, as far as putting mechanics go, I mean, I don't see a huge difference between the two. And so, um, it, depending on the player, obviously there are some, some players that have totally different strokes, but, um, I think 45 feet is fair for, for any division. Different strokes for different folks. That's about 15 meters for our Canadian friends. <laughs> what about you, Carnsey? What's your, uh, what's your rule you'd like to make? Okay, I'm, here's the first one that comes to mind for me. And if you guys want to say it doesn't count, because maybe it's more of a, like a competition standard, then I'll just rip off the cuff something else. But I would put a hard cap between AM1 and Open. I don't care about if you accepted cash. Like, I'd put a rating cap on it. Probably like 975. Boom, you're an Open. Now, maybe that rating number wouldn't age well because of where I think the sport's kind of going, but I would still just put a rating cap on it. That's me. From Kearns to Corns, Mr. Corns. I'm going to go from the perspective of like the touring pro level. Uh, I think that if you were going to be playing like PDGA national tours, pro tours and pro majors, that you need to be classified as a professional to play those events. There should be no... Like, if you want to stay classified as an amateur, you should not be playing on the Disc Golf Pro Tour. Um, you know, make your way up through your local pro events if you want to, like, you know, play, like, the Pro-Am events, so to say. Do that. But if you want to play on the big stage, you need to be a professional. Turns and corns, boxing them in. We're making people make choices. <laughs> so I'll throw a bonus question out there. Yeah. Some people have proposed <clears throat> a limit on the number of discs. You know, golf limits you to 14 clubs. Would you say that a limit on the number of discs would enhance the game? It certainly would make it more accessible to less affluent players. Uh, the rest of us would still buy a thousand discs a year anyway. What do you guys think? Will? I don't think it's a terrible idea, um, but I think the limit needs to be realistic. Um, I think like 25. I mean, enough to get you by i only carry about 24 to 26 anyway and so i think 25 is kind of a sweet spot but um i don't know if it's necessarily like a necessary rule that needs to be added jeff i'm gonna say no not whatsoever because <laughs> the difference in golf to disc golf in this case is you know you're not losing golf clubs on the course, but you could be losing discs on the course. You know, there's no cap on the number of balls that you can carry with you to complete your round. So I think it's a different uh, element of the game. I mean, they, they get 14 clubs. We only have two arms, two arms. Yeah, exactly. I'm right by the number of arms. I can probably throw a disc with. <laughs> Quite the distance. Oh, I, mean, the I don't normally limit throw them with two you hands. You could limit it but... to two. <laughs> there is no limit two, on the number of balls. <laughs> You'd be okay with that, Kearns, if they limited it to two arms? Like, PDJ, you'd, you'd be totally cool with that. 
for sure. Yeah. Okay. Good. It's good to know. Hundred <laughs> percent. I think for me, it's hard to, it's hard to state this rule, but the rule I would try to just spend all my focus and effort into brainstorming is how to regulate rule infractions on the course. Uh, it's been, oh it's been made incredibly <laughs> obvious that having players enforce infractions on a card is just really hard to do from a perspective of it's awkward from a perspective of you don't know if anyone's going to second you. And if they don't, what does that look like? You know what I mean? And from a perspective of sometimes you just don't feel like it's your place. And I'd love to say, Oh, put a rules official on every card, but you can't do that because you can't pay them. And maybe you have the volunteers who could go, but then you're going to have issues with professional players who don't want volunteers that aren't trained making these calls. So like, it's really tough. Right. Uh, but for me, I think that's the one thing that needs to change more than anything else. <clears throat> yes. I'm talking about Nico Castro taking 90 seconds to make a putt and, and similar discrepancies that, you know, when they're not so obvious, they might not, but we've had professional players like Brad Schick come on last week and tell us how much something like that affects the flow of his game when someone like that is is on a card taking long or when someone is being obscene and kicking their bag and and just making a fool of themselves, right? How do you call them on that? Have I don't, I don't want you guys to have to talk about situations like that and specifically call people out, but like... Have you guys encountered those situations? And like, Will, how awkward is that on the course? Well, it's funny that you ask because just like two tournaments ago, we had a foot fault thing on my card that really threw the vibe off. Um, I actually am the one that called it. Uh, me and Phil Bartholomew were on the card and the guy was running down a wet hill on a, uh, approaching his lie and he missed his lie. I mean, it, it, you know, it was pretty obvious. You could see where his foot moved the leaves and it was, you know, it wasn't even close. And so I called the foot fault. Um, Phil seconded and it was super awkward the rest of the time. That guy didn't take it well. He argued a lot and he uh, he ended up like being super sarcastic the rest of the round. And it, it really just threw the vibe off on the card. And so I don't know what the answer is to fixing that rule other than having officials. But I mean, like you said, that's going to be extremely hard unless you're like talking about like worlds or pro tour or something where they could actually maybe afford to have some officials out there, but it's going to be really tough, especially for your local events. I mean, it's just going to have to be awkward, but um, in the professional division, I always go in with kind of the same expectation that we have to follow the rules, even if, it's awkward to enforce them. So uh, I, if, if I see it, I'm going to call it. If I don't see it, I'm not. I mean, and we're going to play by the same rules. So. And Jeff, what's that like on tour? What's, what, what's the vibe like on tour when it comes to, you know, regulation of, of rule infractions? It's definitely like a topic that's discussed more and more frequently. Um, and like you kind of brought up with nico being on a lot of lead or featured cards that players are frustrated with you know the situation and a lot of players regardless of who they are don't want to call him or call anyone on anything like will said it makes an awkward weird environment like you know even like and also for some things for example i know that simon brought up um you know the time like nico taking too long too long to throw like, what are you supposed to do? Are you supposed to sit there with like a stopwatch? Like as soon as he addresses his lie, 
that's when you start your stopwatch and then you know if it hits 30 seconds like do you like do you just stop and be like hey that was your 30 seconds like you know your time's up like that's your warning or whatever like you're getting stroked like what are you what are you doing at that point in time where does that where does the line get drawn of oh he's like in his backswing like he's starting his run up or whatever like there's just a lot of like weird gray areas and i don't think it's something the player should be calling 100 your gray area is a, a great way to put it because kerns even brought up kerns you were doing that live interview with nid and you were actually giving her a tip you know about how to deal with distractions when you're driving and that's another thing when you talk yeah. about the gray areas of this rule jeff because all a player has to do is talk about you know oh there was a visual distraction there was a visual distraction yeah. in my line of sight so you know i had to step off my lie and now my 30 second clock restarts again so it's so disputable and there's there's so many gray areas and and so much stuff i i agree it's it's hard for the players to call it's impossible right now to fund it every pdga sanctioned event so i think again maybe it's one of those things where at a certain caliber event the 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 really big events usdgc stuff like that maybe it's it's something they got to figure out but good topic i absolutely well, love it i think a, a piece of that too and anyone that's taken the certified certified officials example agree if you're gonna go towards having like actual officials that exam needs to be like harder and timed. <laughs> if you fail the exam, I'm sorry, dude. Like, it's not hard. <laughs> it's open book. Like, you really shouldn't get a question wrong, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, man, yeah. I remember yeah, being I remember being 12 years old, and I was like an umpire of like, I was I was like at like 13, 14 years old umping like 17, 18 year olds because I started umping early. But I remember like how intense umpire training camp was, and like if you failed. Like, screw you, you're not an umpire this year. Like, see you later, buddy. And like, they made it hard because people's safety is at stake, right? And, oh, there goes my battery, it's all good. People's safety's at stake and people, it's it, it's it's a really huge deal, right? And I think, I agree, Kearns, it, it would need to be taken so seriously and designating officials, especially with these professionals that are, this has never been a thing for them. They've never had people to hold them accountable to these rules. So now all of a sudden you put a third party who's not invested in here to hold them accountable to these rules. Who knows what their interests are? Are they fans? Who's going to who's going to want to be a rules official, right? Probably a disc golf fan. Who are they a fan of? Are they going to be biased towards their favorite players? It's it's really 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 hard. I've thought about this a lot and I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a touring pro as you guys can tell. So it's it's pretty crazy. And I think yeah, nobody I think wants to be the guy that calls Nico, you know. Because you know how Nico typically reacts to uh, to any kind of rule stuff, and so why would Haley you, would be happy you don't, you don't want to be that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the purpose of the rules exam, I think, <clears throat> for you know players to be certified, it, it's more so that you can't argue you didn't know the rules if you are called. And I think that you know the the one cultural thing we could take from ball golf is that is that uh, sense of honor that comes with calling yourself on things. You know, I think that we just I think it, what the really the culture shift we need is for people to know the rules well and call themselves more often. Um, That's a great point. You know what? One stroke is you know it may cost you a tournament, but if it you know, if it makes you an honorable player, it's worth it's it's worth it. So. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've got first a question. Of all, we've got a question. Stay off the... my lawn. <laughs> we've got a question in the chat. From Adam Scott Howard. 
So uh, I think this is great for Jeff and Will. Uh, you guys have played a lot of different types of courses. So with the growth of the sport, do you think there's a chance that you'll see more balance between courses designed for left-handed disc golfers and right-handed disc golfers? I'm assuming what Adam is saying is that disc golf courses right now are really catered towards right-handed players. Do you agree with that? If not, that's okay. I, I love your take on that and, and how you feel about kind of course design in that aspect. We'll start with you, Jeff. It's really hard to say. And I've like talked course design a lot with a lot of different people. Um, it's, you know, I, there's times where I'm like, yeah, like, well, especially with tour courses, we'll be like, oh, this is a really forehand friendly course or like a lefty friendly course, or, you know, this might be like, you know, favor whatever part of the game. And I think that's totally, you know, something you could see in golf as well. Like people who are good at certain aspects of certain shots, there might, you know, favor someone else's game more than other people's. And I think it just comes to being, a, if you want to be competitive at every single event, that you need to be a well-rounded player um, in all those aspects of your game. Absolutely. And Will, what about you, buddy? I agree with that. I mean, it, it just depends on the course, you know? I mean, there are so many new courses going in. I think every new course I play seems to be much more balanced than like the older courses that have been in a while. Um, but I, I mean, there are things that a left-handed shot um, can be an advantage to you even on holes that are, are right might be more favored towards right hand. So um, with the way the game is progressing, I see it's going to just get more and more balanced because um, people are actually thinking about it now. Absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time before we wrap up. We want to give our guests a chance to put forward some final thoughts. So, Will, I know you got something special coming up, I think, uh, over the next couple weeks. Why don't you take a quick second to tell us about that? And uh, yeah. For sure. So first of all, shout out to Chris Pickwell, because Chris is actually the one who came up with hashtag Will Cheryl Rips. Um, kind of how I ended up getting onto the Discraft Underground was because I started making these dumb little review videos in my backyard. Uh, which is a golf course and i would just you know get a new run of zone and go out there and throw a bunch of different zones I actually threw a black get freaky zone in one of my earlier videos um, which is hilarious to me now um, but anyway that whole will Cheryl rips uh like brand i don't know what you want to call it but um kind of took off and discraft noticed i got picked up by discraft and now i've got these beautiful discs for a tournament Ooh. that I am, I mean, I'm just, I'm showing you the real saucy ones that I'm actually keeping. Um, this thing is nasty. It's so much better in real life. It, it's like super blendy. And then finally, another Wonder Bread. Oh my God. Um, got a little pink, pink gray swirl. Can't go wrong. But uh, yeah, the I've got a tournament coming up this Saturday. Um, it's really just for fun. Uh, for the locals here in North Carolina to be able to get their hands on some discs, um, especially with like the availability of plastic right now. I know it's been really tough for people to even get Discraft discs. And so shout out to Discraft for hooking me up with some beautiful plastic to share with the people in North Carolina. I will have a few of these left probably after the event, likely, I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, gonna be able to uh, sell those to kind of support me this year and 
pay for some tournament entries, that kind of thing. And and Kearns and I have officially labeled those page approved. Uh, so yeah. those, those are official <laughs> nice. uh, Discraft Macbeth and Pierce page approved discs. So Will Cheryl, you feel Especially free to do Especially these what, sexy Lunas I got. <laughs> you feel oh, free yeah, to Lunas do what are. you want on our page with those discs if you got some left, buddy. Because I, I know our... I know our page would love to get their hands on some Will Cheryl rips. Thank you so much for being on today, buddy. (laughs) There's going to be like less than 10 available, so people better be ready if they want them. Dibs, I need one. And uh, speaking of other limited, fantastic, hot, desired, in-demand releases, Mr. Jeff Corns with Resistance Discs, you got any other uh, upcoming heat you want to talk about? Anything you want to leak here for our listeners? Yeah, we got a couple new custom runs coming up. Some like tour fundraiser discs for uh, for our players. Um, I think our next one, the probably it's gonna be the first one coming soon, is gonna be some Scott Withers Tour Series ESP forces. Uh, those are gonna be really sweet. I know a lot of people have been asking about Tour Series ESP forces like since the since the 2019 run. So I am super excited for those. We've also got some Crystal Buzz OSs for Scott as a fundraiser um some tour series putter line hard challenger ss's got a really long name but scott loves the challenger ss it's something a putter that i've really taken to this year as well um so we got those three coming out for him we have for Haley king our first one is going to be some glozy buzzes uh for her nice those are going to be super sick i'm really looking forward to getting my hands on some personally to throw and then we have some planned restocks of the adam hamas glozy zones the adam hamas crystal raptors and some more of the tour series jawbreaker wasps as well with probably some new artwork in the future so lots wow. of cool stuff in the works are those uh hamas zones going to be the the same colors as last time or no we're going to mix it up and do a few different colors i'm not going to release the colors yet because we could end up getting some transition like sleeves or something between some colors when I have a little bit of something, but there's going to be one color that is going to be really cool. That's all I'll say. I love it. And what a tease. It's amazing. Well, Jeff Corns, Will Cheryl, thank you guys so much for being on Circle 3 tonight. We're going to ask you guys to hang around for a couple seconds while we close off the show, but... uh, we, we appreciate your time so much. Jeff, good luck out there on tour. Good luck for the rest of the year. I don't think that uh, momentum is going to stop for Resistance Buddy this year because uh, disc golf is just getting more crazy and more crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I'm. we have some really cool things in the works as well right now. We might, yeah, I, there's not too much news to announce yet, but I think there's going to be some big news early next week as well. In regards Ooh. to some some tour stuff, so yeah, I'm Ooh. I'm excited for what's got what's in the works. There's another teaser nice. for you. Yeah, and Will Cheryl, buddy, we know. Uh, I mean, you said you're at home a lot, so I don't feel so bad taking up your time, but I still appreciate it, man. And uh, so great to have you guys on here. If our guests haven't sensed yet, our theme is kind of bringing on two guests that are freaking awesome by themselves, but also you know have some sort of cool connection and. It's really cool that you and Jeff have been able to work together this year. And I know from talking to you, Will, how much you support, uh, how much you appreciate the support from Resistance. And I can see from the smile on your face, Jeff, probably how much you uh, enjoy working with this 
guy with this sexy mustache on the center of our screen right now. So absolutely. Will, thank you so much. Jeff, thank you so much. And uh, we will talk to you guys very soon. Hope you guys have a good evening. Yeah, thank you guys. And no, thank you. Adios, amigos. <laughs> and Chris and Paul, as always, it's been a great time talking to you guys. Paul, you're throwing Loving a little it. sore there, buddy. It's, uh, it's it's not my best voice day. <laughs> <laughs> it just got sexier and sexier as the night went on. <laughs> That's one man's opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was Hopefully an awesome episode. Chris Kearns, you got any final thoughts, buddy? Just another good time kicking it with the boys in the in circle three. Well, we hope all of you guys have an absolutely fantastic week. Get out there, play some disc golf, enjoy nature, and please, please, please do not play those Bluetooth speakers too loud while you're out on the course. With that, from Brandon, Chris, and Paul. Uh, and thanks to our incredible guests, Jeff Corns and Will Sherrill. This is the Circle 3 Podcast. Have a great night.